Book Two, Chapter Sixteen of the Mystical City of God, Volume Three, by the Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Two, Chapter Sixteen. Christ is dragged to the house of the high priest Caiaphas, where he is falsely accused and asked whether he is the Son of God. Saint Peter denies him for the second and third time what most holy mary did on this occasion and other mysteries after jesus had been insulted and struck in the house of annas he was sent bound and fettered as he was to the priest caiaphas the father-in-law of annas who in that year officiated as the prince and high priest with him were gathered the scribes and distinguished men of the jews in order to urge the condemnation of the most innocent lamb matthew chapter twenty six verse fifty seven the invincible patience and meekness of the lord of all virtues psalm twenty three verse ten astounded the demons and they were filled with a confusion and fury so great as no words can describe since they could not penetrate into the interior of the sanctuary of his humanity and since they noticed in the meekest lord no inordinate movement nor any sign of complaint nor any sighing nor the least attempt at human relief by which they are wont to search the hearts of other men the dragon was in the utmost torments and surprised as at something altogether new and unheard of among weak and imperfect mortals in his fury he redoubled his efforts to irritate the scribes and servants of the priests against him and excite them to shower their abominable insults and affronts upon his devoted head in all that the demons suggested to them they showed themselves most eager and they executed it as far as the divine will allowed the whole rabble of infernal spirits and merciless foes of christ left the house of annas and dragged our lord saviour through the streets to the house of caiaphas exercising upon him all the cruelty of their ignominious fury the high priests and his attendants broke out in loud derision and laughter when they saw jesus brought amid tumultuous noise into their presence and beheld him now subject to their power and jurisdiction without hope of escape o mystery of the most exalted wisdom of heaven o foolishness and ignorance of hell and blind stupidity of mortals what a distance immeasurable do i see between the doings of the most high and yours at the very time when the king of glory as the lord of all virtues and mighty in battles psalm twenty three verse eight is vanquishing vice and death and all sin by the virtues of patience humility and charity the world boasts of having overcome and subjected him to its arrogance and proud supposition how different were the thoughts of christ our lord from those of the ministers of wickedness the author of life offered up to the eternal father the triumph which his meekness and humility won over sin he prayed for the priests the scribes and servants presenting his patience and suffering as a compensation for their persecutions and excusing them on account of their ignorance the same prayer and petition was sent up at the same time by his blessed mother for her enemies and the enemies of her divine son thus following and imitating the lord in all his doings for as i have many times said she saw all as if personally present between the actions of the son and the mother there was a most sweet and wonderful harmony and a correspondence most pleasing to the eyes of the eternal father the high priest caiaphas 
filled with a deadly envy and hatred against the master of life was seated in his chair of state or throne with him were lucifer and all his demons who had come from the house of annas the scribes and pharisees like bloodthirsty wolves surrounded the gentle lamb all of them were full of the exultation of the envious who see the object of their envy confounded and brought down by common consent they sought for witnesses whom they could bribe to bring false testimonies against jesus our saviour matthew chapter twenty six verse fifty nine those that had been procured advanced to proffer their accusations and testimony but their accusations neither agreed with each other nor could any of their slander be made to apply to him who of his very nature was innocence and holiness mark chapter twenty five verse fifty six letter to the hebrews chapter seven verse twenty six in order not to be foiled they brought two other false witnesses who deposed that they had heard jesus say he could destroy the temple of god made by the hands of men and build up another one in three days not made by them mark chapter sixteen verse fifty eight this testimony did not seem to be of much value although they founded upon it the accusation that he arrogated to himself divine power even if this testimony had not been false in itself the saying if uttered by the lord almighty would have been infallibly true and could not have been presumptuous or false but the testimony was false since the lord had not uttered these words in reference to the material temple of god as the witnesses wished to inculcate at the time when he expelled the buyers and sellers from the temple and when asked by what power he did it he answered destroy this temple that is destroy this sacred humanity and on the third day i shall restore it which he certainly did at his resurrection in testimony of his divine power our saviour jesus answered not a word to all the calumnies and lies brought forward against his innocence caiaphas provoked by the patient silence of the lord rose up in his seat and said to him why dost thou not answer to what so many witnesses testify against thee but even to this the lord made no response for caiaphas and the rest were not only indisposed to believe him but they treacherously wished to make use of his answer in order to calumniate him and satisfy the people in their proceedings against the galilean so that they might not be thought to have condemned him to death without cause this humble silence which should have appeased the wicked priest only infuriated him so much the more because it frustrated his evil purpose lucifer who incited the high priest and all the rest intently watched the conduct of the saviour but the intention of the dragon was different from that of the high priest he merely wanted to irritate the lord or to hear some word by which he could ascertain whether he was true god with this purpose satan stirred up caiaphas to the highest pitch of rage and to ask in great wrath and haughtiness i adjure thee by the living god that thou tell us if thou be the christ the son of god this question of the high priest certainly convicted him at once of the deepest folly and of dreadful blasphemy for if it were sincere he permitted christ to be brought before his tribunal in doubt whether he was the true god or not which would make him guilty of the most formidable and audacious crime the doubt in such a matter should have been solved in quite another way conformable to the demands of right reason and justice 
Christ our Savior, hearing himself conjured by the living God, inwardly adored and reverenced the divinity, though appealed to by such sacrilegious lips. Out of reverence for the name of God, he therefore answered, Thou hast said, I am he. Nevertheless, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see the Son of Man, who I am, sitting on the right hand of the power of God, and coming in the clouds of heaven. Matthew, chapter 26, verse 64. At this divine answer, the demons and the men were affected in different ways. Lucifer and his devils could not bear it, but immediately felt a superior force, which hurled them down into the abyss, and oppressed them by the truth it contained. And they would not have dared to come again into the presence of Christ our Savior, if the divine providence had not allowed them to fall again into doubts, whether this man Christ had really spoken the truth, or had merely sought this means of freeing himself from the hands of the Jews. This uncertainty gave them new courage, and they came forth once more to the battlefield. The ultimate triumph over the demons was reserved to the cross itself, on which the Savior was to vanquish both them and death, as Zachary had prophesied, and as will appear later. But the high priest, furious at the answer of the Lord, instead of looking upon it as a solution of his doubt, rose once more in his seat, and rending his garments as an outward manifestation of his zeal for the honor of God, loudly cried out, He hath blasphemed! What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard the blasphemy. What think you? Matthew chapter 26, verse 65. The real blasphemy, however, consisted rather in these words of Caiaphas, since he denied the certain fact that Christ was the Son of God by his very nature, and since he attributed to the divine personality sinfulness, which was directly repugnant to his very nature. Such was the folly of the wicked priest, who by his office should have recognized and proclaimed the universal truth. He made of himself an execrable blasphemer in maintaining that he, who is holiness itself, had blasphemed. Having previously, with satanical instinct, abused his high office in prophesying that the death of one man is better than the ruin of all the people, he now was hindered by his sins from understanding his own prophecy. As the example and the opinions of princes and prelates powerfully stirs up the flattery and subserviency of inferiors, that whole gathering of wickedness was incensed at the Savior Jesus, all exclaimed in a loud voice, He is guilty of death. Let him die. Let him die. Matthew chapter 26 verse 66 Roused by satanic fury, they fell upon their most meek master, and discharged upon him their wrath. Some of them struck him in the face, others kicked him, others tore out his hair, others spat upon his venerable countenance, others slapped or struck him in the neck, which was a treatment reserved among the Jews, only for the most abject and vile criminals. Never among men were such outrageous and frightful insults, heaped upon any one, as were then heaped upon the Redeemer. St. Luke and St. Mark say they covered his face, and then struck him with their hands and fists, saying, Prophesy, prophesy to us, thou prophet, who was it that struck thee? The reason for their doing this was mysterious, namely, the joy with which our Savior suffered all these injuries and blasphemies, as I will soon relate, made his face shine forth in extraordinary beauty, 
and on this account those ministers of wickedness were seized with unbearable consternation and shame they sought to attribute it to sorcery and magic and by a resolution befitting also well their unworthiness they covered the face of the lord with an unclean cloth so that they might not be hindered and tormented by its divine light inventing their diabolical wrath all these affronts reproaches and insults were seen and felt by the most holy mary causing in her the same pains and wounds in the same parts of her body and at the same time as inflicted upon the lord the only difference was that in our lord the blows and torments were inflicted by the jews themselves while in his most pure mother they were caused by the almighty in a miraculous manner and upon request of the lady according to natural laws the vehemence of her interior sorrow and anxiety would have put an end to her life but she was strengthened by divine power so as to be able to continue to suffer with her beloved son and lord the interior acts performed by the saviour under these barbarous and unheard of persecutions cannot be fathomed by human reason or faculties mary alone understood them fully so as to be able to imitate them with the highest perfection but as the divine master now experienced in his own person how necessary his sympathy would be for those who were to follow him and practice his doctrine he exerted himself so much the more in procuring for them grace and blessings on this occasion in which he was teaching them by his own example the narrow way of perfection in the midst of these injuries and torments and those which followed thereafter the lord established for his perfect and chosen souls the beatitudes which he had promised and proposed to them some time before he looked upon the poor in spirit who were to imitate him in this virtue and said blessed are you in being stripped of the earthly goods for by my passion and death i am to entail upon you the heavenly kingdom as a secure and certain possession of voluntary poverty blessed are those who meekly suffer and bear adversities and tribulations for besides the joy of having imitated me they shall possess the land of the hearts and the good will of men through the peacefulness of their intercourse and the sweetness of their virtues blessed are they that weep while they sow in tears for in them they shall receive the bread of understanding and life and they shall afterwards harvest the fruits of everlasting joy and bliss blessed are also those who hunger and thirst for justice and truth for i shall earn for them satiation far beyond all their desires as well in the reign of grace as in the reign of glory blessed are they who imitating me in my offers of pardon and friendship mercifully pity those that offend and persecute them for i promise them the fullness of mercy from my father blessed be the pure of heart who imitate me in crucifying their flesh in order to preserve the purity of their souls i promise them the vision of peace and of my divinity by becoming like unto me and by partaking of me blessed are the peaceful who yielding their rights do not resist the evil-minded and deal with them with a sincere and tranquil heart without vengeance they shall be called my children because they imitate my eternal father and i shall write them in my memory and in my mind as my adopted sons those that suffer persecution for justice sake shall be the blessed heirs of my celestial kingdom since they suffer with me and where i am there also they shall be in eternity rejoice ye poor be consoled all ye that are and shall be afflicted 
glory in your lot ye little ones and despised ones of this world you who suffer in humility and longanimity suffer with an interior rejoicing since all of you are following me in the path of truth renounce vanity despise the pomp and haughtiness of the false and deceitful babylon pass ye through the fires and the waters of tribulation until you reach me who am the light the truth and your guide to the eternal rest and refreshment in such divine acts and in other aspirations for the good of sinners our saviour jesus occupied himself while he was surrounded by his malignant enemies as by ravenous dogs psalm twenty one verse seventeen who pursued him and satiated him with insults affronts blasphemies and wounds the virgin mary who was most attentive to all that passed accompanied him in all his acts and petitions for she made the same petitions for his enemies she took charge of the blessings lavished by her son upon the just and the predestined and constituted herself as their mother their helper and protectress in the name of all of them she composed hymns of praise and thanksgiving because the lord had assigned such an exalted position in the reign of grace to the despised and poor of this earth on this account also and on account of what she afterwards witnessed in the interior of christ she chose anew labor and contempt tribulations and pains as her share during the passion and during the rest of her most holy life st peter had followed the lord jesus from the house of annas to that of caiaphas although he took care to walk at some distance behind the crowd of enemies for fear that the jews might seize him he partly repressed this fear on account of the love of his master and by the natural courage of his heart among the great multitude which crowded in and out of the house of caiaphas and in the darkness it was not difficult for the apostle to find entrance into the house of caiaphas in the gates of the courtyard a servant maid who was a portress as in the house of annas likewise noticed st peter she immediately went up to the soldiers who stood at the fire with him and said this man is one of those who were wont to accompany jesus of nazareth one of the bystanders said thou art surely a galilean and one of them st peter denied it and added an oath that he was not a disciple of jesus immediately leaving the company at the fire yet in his eagerness to see the end although he left the courtyard he did not leave the neighborhood his natural love and compassion for the lord still caused him to linger in the place where he saw him suffer so much so the apostle moved about sometimes nearer sometimes farther from the hall of justice for nearly an hour then a relative of malchus whose ear he had severed recognized him and said thou art a galilean and a disciple of jesus i saw thee with him in the garden then peter deemed himself discovered was seized with still greater fear and he began to assert with oaths and imprecations that he knew not the man matthew chapter twenty six verse seventy two immediately thereupon the cock crowed the second time and the prediction of his divine master that he should deny him thrice before the cock crowed twice was fulfilled to the letter the infernal dragon was very anxious to destroy saint peter it was lucifer that incited the two maids whom he could more easily influence and afterwards the soldiers to molest the apostle by their attention and inquiries at the same time as soon as he saw him in his dangerous hesitation and change of mind he tried to disturb saint peter 
by vivid imaginations of impending cruelty thus tempted peter simply denied the lord at first added an oath to the second denial and curses and imprecations against himself at the third hence from one sin he fell into another greater one yielding to the cruel persecutions of the enemies but saint peter now hearing the crowing of the cock remembered the warning of his divine master luke chapter twenty two verse sixty one for the great queen in her gentle love having interceded for him the lord now cast upon him a look of boundless mercy from her oratory in the cenacle she had witnessed the denials together with all the circumstances and the causes which had brought the apostle to fall so deeply she had seen him beset with natural fear and much more by the merciless assaults of lucifer she threw herself upon the ground and tearfully interceded for him alleging his frailty and appealing to the merits of her divine son the lord himself moved the heart of peter and by means of the light sent to him gently reproached him exhorting him to acknowledge his fault and deplore his sin immediately the apostle left the house of the high priest bursting with inmost sorrow into bitter tears over his fall in order to weep in the bitterness of his heart he betook himself to a cave even now called that of the crowing cock there he poured forth his sorrow and confusion in a flood of tears at the end of three hours he had obtained pardon for his sins and the holy impulses and inspirations had continued during that whole time until he was again restored to grace the most pure mother and queen sent to him one of her angels who secretly consoled him and excited in him the hope of forgiveness so that he might not delay his full pardon by want of trust in the goodness of god the angel was ordered not to manifest himself because the apostle had so recently committed his sin hence the angel fulfilled his commission without being seen by the apostle st peter was consoled and strengthened in his great sorrow by these inspirations and thus obtained full pardon through the intercession of most holy mary instruction which the great queen and lady gave me my daughter the mysterious sacrament of the patience of my son by which he bore all the affronts and insults is a sealed book which can be opened and understood only by the divine light thou hast come to the knowledge of it as it has been partly laid open for thee although on account of thy limited powers thou writest much less than thou hast seen but as this mystery is being made clear and intelligible to thee in the secret of thy heart i wish that it be also written there and that thou study by this living example that divine science which neither flesh nor blood can teach thee for the world does not know nor does it merit to know this science this philosophy consists in recognizing and loving the happy lot of the poor the humble the afflicted the despised and those unknown among the children of vanity this school my most holy and loving son established in his church when he proclaimed and set up the eight beatitudes matthew chapter five verses two through ten afterwards when he himself assumed all the sufferings of his passion he became for us a teacher who practices what he teaches as thou hast seen nevertheless although this is set before the eyes of the catholics and can be plainly read by them in this book of life during their whole earthly pilgrimage there are but few and scattered souls who enter into this school and study this book while countless are the wayward and foolish who ignore this science in their unwillingness to be taught 
all abhor poverty and thirst after riches none of them being willing to recognize their emptiness infinite is the number of those who are carried away by their anger and vengeance despising meekness few deplore their real miseries and struggle merely for terrestrial consolations scarcely any love justice or loyally pursue it in their dealings with the neighbors mercy is almost extinct purity of heart is sullied and infringed upon peace is constrained none grant pardon none wish to suffer for justice sake yea not even the least of the many torments and pains which they have so justly merited thus my dearest there are few who attain the blessings promised by my divine son and by me many times the just indignation and anger of the almighty is roused against the professors of the true faith since in the very sight of the living example of their master they live almost like infidels many of them being even more abominable in their lives for they are properly those who despise the fruits of the redemption which they have come to know and confess in the land of saints they impiously perform the works of wickedness isaiah chapter twenty six verse ten and make themselves unworthy of the remedies which are put at their disposal in more merciful abundance of thee i desire my daughter that thou labor valiantly for this blessedness by seeking to imitate me perfectly according to thy grace of so deeply understanding this doctrine which is hidden from the prudent and wise of the world mark chapter eleven verse twenty five day for day i manifest to thee new secrets of my wisdom in order that it may be established in thy heart and thou mayest extend thy hands to valiant deeds proverbs chapter thirty one verse nineteen and now i will tell thee of an exercise which i practised and which thou canst imitate to a certain degree thou knowest already that from the very first instant of my conception i was full of grace without the least stain or participation of the least effect of original sin on account of this singular privilege i was blessed in all virtues without feeling any repugnance or opposition in the exercise of them and without being conscious of owing satisfaction for any sins of my own nevertheless the divine enlightenment taught me that i was a daughter of adam by nature which in him had sinned and therefore i felt bound to humiliate myself to the very dust even though i shared none of the guilt of that sin and since i also possessed senses of the same kind as those through which sin and its effects were contracted and which then and afterwards are operative in present human conditions i thought myself obliged to mortify them humiliate them and deprive them of the enjoyment proper to their nature simply on account of this my parentage from adam i acted like a most faithful daughter of a family who assumes the debt of her father and of her brothers as her own though she had no share in contracting it and who strives to pay and satisfy for it the most earnestly the more she loves her family and the more they are unable to satisfy and free themselves from it not giving herself any rest until she succeeds this have i done with all the human race whose miseries and transgressions i bewailed because i was a daughter of adam i mortified in me the senses and faculties with which he sinned and i humiliated myself as one that had fallen and one guilty of his sin and disobedience though i was entirely free from them all this i did not only for adam but for all who by nature are my brethren 
thou canst not imitate me under like conditions since thou art a partaker of his sin and guilt but i herewith impose upon thee to labor without ceasing for thyself and for thy neighbor and to humiliate thyself to the very dust since a contrite and humble heart draws down mercy from the divine goodness End of chapter 16